0: welcome to a tech meme ride home bonus episode i'm your host brian mccullough eric jackson is an investor at emj capital limited he's deep in the media space he's deep in the streaming wars as i think i say in this episode he's shaped a ton of my thinking about the streaming wars in general where are we who's up who's down is it time to get bullish on disney plus for a ton of reasons eric has a great podcast the Eric Jackson Podcast. Link in the show notes. Please enjoy this deep dive into the streaming wars. Maybe the easiest way to ease into this is, like, let's do some um, some news from this week. Uh, what would you think about uh, Disney finally uh, taking control of Hulu? This has sort of been... Um, it seems like this has been a strategy that they've been quietly pursuing this whole time, or is it just an accident of having acquired all the Fox assets and everything like that?
1: No, I've got the feeling that this has been uh, definitely on the on the whiteboard for a while for them. I was at the the investor day that they held a few weeks back in in California, and. Where, where they unveiled Disney plus and they talked about ESPN plus and they also had a segment about Hulu uh, and Hotstar as well and, and definitely you, you got the feeling even then from from uh, what was said that they they definitely had a plan on uh, introducing a bundle uh, later this year of of those three services and uh, there were also. A lots of there was lots of talk about international rollout not just of Disney plus but. Um, of of Hulu and uh, and even ESPN plus so in order for that to happen though. Uh, they they needed control of, of Hulu and so when they were asked about it and when. Brian Roberts of Comcast was asked about it point blank in, in the days afterwards you could tell at least to me. They didn't deny it. They didn't, you know. They they sort of said, as of today, the ownership ownership structure is such and such, but you know, we will see that that sort of thing. And so, um, it I was just perhaps uh, surprised that it 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 was announced so quickly, um, you know, from, since that investor day. And so, uh, so now they've got in, uh, effective control of Hulu, even though Comcast is still technically an owner at least for a few more years and uh but but they can run it as they see fit they can expand internationally uh they can bundle it they can control the data uh, between the different services so that's really what disney wanted to get off the blocks quickly and that's what's going to happen
0: so let me speculatively let me poke at this from a couple different angles so as you said the obvious play here is you bundle it with disney plus you bundle it with espn you know Whatever that dollar figure is, probably in the neighborhood of $15 to $20 a month. Like, you get all this stuff. Like, this can be your entire TV offering. Um, So, the first thing is, does that, like, should we think that maybe Hulu is their play to uh, take a bite of the um, ad supported streaming video pie as well?
1: They're definitely going to get a lot of you know, ad revenue from Hulu. Right.
0: Because uh, what, I, I, I'm sorry, maybe I need to be more clear about that. Obviously, mm-hmm. you, you bundle them together, they're the subscription thing, and, and you would be ad-free in that sense. But I keep reading about how much the there's growth in the ad-supported streaming video stuff. So, like, does this allow them to, are they doing this because it would allow them to play both sides of that fence, or is the play really just... To bundle it all together and be like, sort of how Netflix is like, well, you don't really need TV. All the TV you need is is through us. And they could say the same thing, especially with with ESPN being a part of that as well.
1: Uh, we'll have to see, but I I suspect that they're going to. There's probably going to be bundle one A and bundle one B. And bundle one A is with with ads on Hulu, which will be a lower price than bundle one B, which is a high price higher price for no ads, uh, but What they said at their investor day was, you know, and and surprises me that there's, you know, the vast majority of people when they subscribe to Hulu prefer the lower price and therefore prefer to watch ads. So I think the whole AVOD, you know, advertising video on demand uh, area is, um, has surprised some people with the growth of Roku in the last few years. People are willing to put up with ads uh, as long as they get a ton of, you know, quote unquote, free, free content that goes with it. So I think, um, and then there's probably going to be bundle 1C and bundle 1D, which is when they when they uh, throw in the Hulu live services as well uh, to, to that bundle too.
0: All right. So then the other thing, and this is purely speculative, but I would, I'd be curious to know your thoughts on this. Um, one part of this equation that we're not hammering on is the ESPN part of the equation. Is there a scenario where over the next 10 years, they go hog on trying to get the rights to all the sports that they can, and then, then that becomes a really compelling third leg of the stool, where it's where you go to watch football, basketball, whatever?
1: Well, I, I would say they've, they've gone whole hog on the sports rights now. It's just that most of the major sports rights that they own are still going to be on ESPN the uh, linear and ABC, uh, so I think uh, you know. I guess the question then becomes: When over the next ten years is it going to flip that they're You know, people are just not going to put up with uh, linear anymore and want everything on on uh, on OTT or streaming. And nobody knows. And but I think the whole you know part of Disney's thinking is that now they've got a hedge with ESPN Plus that they have this streaming service which is a heck of a lot more compelling uh than i thought it was going to be a year ago when they first launched it even though it's still got lots of niche stuff um it's got really interesting original content the 30 for 30 the peyton manning breaking down nfl plays kobe Bryant talking about basketball plays then it's got unique sports rights that are going to be interesting for dedicated viewers in everything from boxing to soccer to ivy league football and all this kind of stuff Uh, so they have the service they're they're running it they're seeing how it goes they're learning from what people like from it but they're still getting a lot of revenues from linear and the traditional bundle today from espn and there's still going to be lots of reasons for you to hang on to your traditional espn subscription but whenever the time does come that people say enough is enough or you know we're willing to switch uh, they will be ready to to port it over from linear to to ESPN Plus. I guess that's um, what
0: I was asking. Is it's it, you're not expecting that to happen in like the next three years or something? Where all of a sudden it's like you know what guys, uh, the only way you're going to be able to watch football is through our service. So you're not expecting them to be that aggressive that soon.
1: I don't think so. I, I wouldn't expect them to lead that. I think they'll follow you know customer demand, and it wouldn't surprise me if. Uh, you know the the cable the traditional cable bundle lasts a lot longer than you know what most of us quote unquote media futurists uh, say. <laughs> so I, I think um, you know it works for a lot of people. You still have to subscribe. I mean the people. You know one thing that I I don't think gets discussed a lot is that I still need need to pay Comcast for my for my internet connection in order to stream right. right. And if I've got the relationship with Comcast or Spectrum or whoever it is already. And they're going to offer me some additional uh, TV con- linear content, you know, uh, you know, for a nominal additional amount, and it's I'm getting Monday Night Football or whatever it is, you know, the the, the traditional ESPN stuff um, and news and all that kind of stuff. Then I'm I'm going to continue to pay, I think, or a, a bunch of people are for, for a while. Um, so, and I think the, the major sports leagues are still going to want to see things like the super bowl on linear for a while. Um, they were willing to, you know, to go along with Fox building out a network of new broadcast channels back in the eighties when they made the switch over from CBS to Fox. But I think, you know, for a lot of people, um, uh, they're, they're not ready to, you know, fire up their connected TVs, um, and, uh, and watch the super bowl on their, the Zone app or their uh, ESPN Plus app, just just yet. I think we're still a few years away from that.
0: Um, well, we're we're generally talking about Disney here, so in the in the broad horse race sense, what's your take on on Disney's <coughs> position here? So the. The Disney Plus is going live, I think, in November of this year. Um, I read your piece about about at the Investors Day or whatever it was, and and um, not only were they super aggressive with the pricing, <laughs> but mm-hmm. they also were apparently super aggressive with their guidance in terms of the amount of subscribers they think they'll have like five years out.
1: Well, they were super aggressive to some. I I mean, I think they are sandbagging, and I think that they're going to have way more. Than, I think they said something sixty to ninety million. Disney Plus subscribers, but they picked, I think it was 2024, you know, so we're five years from now and, you know, things are changing so rapidly and um, that I just think that uh, people are not, I think a lot of Wall Street analysts, they look at what Netflix, how, how Netflix's su- subscriber growth has, has grown historically and they've sort of said, okay, well, I'm just going to take that graph and I'm going to plot it from starting today with with disney plus having zero and i'm going to th- imagine that it's going to ramp up in a similar slow and methodical fashion and then eventually there'll be a hockey hockey stick curve five to eight years from now but the world is a lot different today than it was in 2010 or 2012 or whatever uh, when uh, streaming was just getting started for netflix so i just think the world is a lot a lot um more r- ready for disney plus i think there just are going to be well, there are going to be a, a lot more people that jump on board very quickly uh so to me i i think uh they'll they'll far exceed 90 million and that keep in mind that's global <laughs> that's not just that's not us um right a lot of them right yeah. and they said they, they they predicted two-thirds of their subs would be international versus us which is um i think a similar kind of skew for netflix uh so i i think they're going to be well above that by 2024.
0: I can't believe I've been a professional podcaster for nearly two years, and this is my first Audible read. I am a fanatical Audible customer. How is it that I read everything that I read every day? Easy. I buy the audiobook on Audible. I buy the Kindle book on Kindle, and I sync them up. I'm either reading or I'm listening. All day, every day, I'm doing one of the two. And then... This is also my secret weapon. I've been an insomniac for my entire life. I cured that about five years ago when I became an Audible subscriber. Here's what I do I get a history book on a topic that I'm interested enough in, but not so interested in that it will keep me awake. So then I set the 30 second timer on my Audible app. I press play and I listen. It turns off my brain. I learn some stuff, and I wake up in the morning rested. I am not making that up at all. I do that every night. I'm about to do it tonight. Do my insomnia life hack for yourself. Start a 30-day Audible trial, and your first audiobook plus two Audible originals are free. Visit audible.com slash techmeme or text techmeme, T-E-C-H-M-E-M-E, to 500-500. Listen to the book that I'm re-listening to right now, The Perfectionists, How Precision Engineers Created the Modern World. Visit audible.com slash Meme or text Meme to 500-500. I've personally used Instacart for years. Instacart really took off right when... We first had kids, and frankly, I can't imagine raising kids without Instacart. We got an Instacart delivery just this morning because we were out of morning yogurts for the kids, and my mom is coming to town this weekend, so we just needed to load up on stuff. Instacart can get you groceries delivered in as fast as one hour or at a time that works with your schedule. Instacart is available at your favorite stores, groceries delivered from local and national retailers, and you're totally in control. Get the Instacart app or go to Instacart.com and shop the groceries you need from your favorite local retailers, like we did this morning. Try Instacart and get $10 off your first order. To get this limited time offer, go to Instacart.com or download the mobile app and enter my promo code RIDE at checkout. That's $10 off your first order today at Instacart.com or through the mobile app. And don't forget to enter my code RIDE, Instacart.com or the mobile app with my code RIDE at checkout. Am I wrong in thinking that Bob Iger deserves more credit for maybe kicking off these streaming wars? I mean, I can remember, it wasn't that long ago when people like me were screaming that there should be an ESPN s- streaming offering, and it, it seemed like that was something Disney would never do. So on the one hand, it's it, it feels kind of like they turned on a dime, but then as you pointed out in one of your pieces that like, if you, if you look backwards, like what Disney is about to pull off right now has been, you know, years in the making, and it's all been about, you know, Iger putting together the pieces that even make this possible.
1: I think, I think, Tiger's fantastic. I I'm a shareholder in Disney, and I personally, I, you know, I wish he would. I, I wish people would. It, it seems like only the journalists in the world constantly bring up when when are you going to retire? When are you going to retire? Um, and they talk about and they write articles about how he's almost retired. I forget how many times now, two or three or four, and um, and he's put it off. You know, if it was up to me, the guy would work another I don't know 10, 20 years. I mean. You see him. I don't know how old he is, but he looks a heck of a lot more in shape than, than I do. <laughs> so he looks like he's 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 good to go for a long time. I think he's so. I think he's a great CEO. I think he's a great communicator, and lots of people love him. Lots of uh, analysts love him. Shareholders love him, but I don't think he's perfect, and I don't think he's handled this transition perfectly. Um, and uh, none of us has as crystal balls. So we, we, you know, uh, I, I, think we have to, you know, cut them some slack, but I, I think, uh, you know, it's worth remembering that, um, and there's a good, um, article in, I think it's the information that sort of talks about some of the behind the scenes dynamics that have played out over mm-hmm. the last five years at Disney, where some of the lieutenants, people like Kevin Mayer and, and others were, were sort of advocating a, a more aggressive push on, on, on going into Disney Plus and streaming. And it was Iger who who basically made that last deal with Netflix um, uh, to kind of choose to keep Disney content on there for another, I don't know, whatever it was, three, three to five years additionally for, for hugely profitable um, uh, revenue uh, in exchange. And then but but he also deserves credit for um, however many years into that New Deal, uh, deciding no, the, you know <laughs> the world is changing too too quickly, and we have to we have to get on this, and we have to acquire Tech so that we have this infrastructure in place to do streaming, and we have to terminate our deal with Netflix. We have to go out and buy back. The uh, the rights to the original Star Wars movies that we licensed to Turner to show until early twenty twenties, uh, so that they'd be exclusive on this new service. So, I think once he made the decision to go, whole, you know, whole hog, like you were saying, into streaming, he he's definitely been supportive and he's definitely kind of gotten everyone pointed in the right direction. Um, but you know, he was he was trying to feel his way. He was he was trying to um, balance the the tr- traditional. Ways that he, as a as a media executive, um, got rewarded, which was increasing EBITDA every year, and um, and and sort of say, well, no, we've got to change more to a Netflix model where, you know, we're not going to make a lot of profits from the streaming service, and that doesn't matter. What really matters in the long run is can we acquire this huge global um, uh, millions of of subscribers that are going that we're going to learn about that we can kind of not just bundle other things like Hulu and ESPN plus with, but we can eventually start to kind of use our understanding of what they like and build it into our parks and build it into our consumer products and our cruise lines and all this kind of Yeah.
0: Stuff. Let me, so, let me interrupt you there because I don't remember if I listened to it on your podcast or I, I read it, maybe it was a medium piece or whatever, but one of the, one of the greatest things I've I've read in the last couple of years is, is your thing about Disney as a service. Because then it it became obvious to me and it it popped up everywhere, you know, like when Apple is, you know, pivoting towards services and it's like, eventually you're going to pay your, you know, 50 or 70 or or $100 a month nut to Apple for all of the things they do for you. We're already doing that with Amazon, with Amazon Prime and things like that. And so, again, bizarrely, well, maybe not bizarrely, but like Disney seems to be well-positioned to be able to be one of the players in this new game of everything as a service, everything subscription revenue, they can they can go toe to toe with Apple and Amazon and everybody, and and that's kind of amazing.
1: Yeah, and I want to give credit to Matthew Ball from who writes for Redact. Uh, he's also Agreed. he's also. Um, he he wrote about disney as a service in an article before before i did i think mine mine was a little bit more investor focused than than his was but I, i think we were kind of coming at the same the same uh ideas though which is that yeah you're right they disney has uh these very unique assets um the parks the consumer products the the history the um you know, obviously, the content that they've bought and th- things like Lucasfilm and Marvel and uh, Pixar and and all their you know original Mary Poppins, homegrown type content as well that that generations of people are familiar with um, and love and and so that those are very powerful assets and uh, and fr- you know frankly ones that I think uh, Netflix can can only dream about. Um, I I think you know I don't. Often, you know, Disney Plus gets gets written about, like, you know, is it going to kill Netflix or, or, or vice versa? And I, I think Netflix is they're 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 the they're the gorilla in streaming. They're going to continue to be. Uh, Disney Plus is not going to surpass them. Netflix is going to continue to be very successful and grow. Um, the two are here to stay. But I think that the the Disney does have some great advantages. Certainly. Certainly in streaming compared to someone like an Apple um, where they just have all of these great things that they that they can um, build into this sort of bundled service. So uh, the bundle is going to start as just like kind of like the, the streaming version of the traditional cable bundle in terms of just, you know, we're going to have these different channels, Hulu for your adult stuff, ESPN plus for your sports stuff, Disney plus for your family and teen stuff. Uh, but eventually, it's gonna it's gonna branch out and, and touch. Um, I think the other parts of Disney, the parks, the the cruise lines, the consumer products, and so forth. And so, uh, and uh, and that's uh, you know one of the the points that I was trying to make in in my article, which I think was a little different from Matthew's point, was that from a just from an investor perspective, or from a, from a Bob Iger management perspective. I, there's nothing more that I think could help Disney's stock value than to do that, because if you just look around the world today and you look at whether you know software companies, whether it's like a Microsoft or an Adobe um, or some of the, the you know Salesforce.com, these companies are all have very very high valuations on a sort of a price to sales basis and some people trad- who are more more traditional value stock investors say "Hey, this is this is not right this they should be valued on profits but I I think the market is very wise in Giving them such a high valuation because basically they're saying that these these are subscription services and these people you know Microsoft has turned itself into you know you always you're paying this sort of regular subscription service to have office and to have outlook and to have all these other things and it's going to be the same for Disney and and other businesses who kind of choose to, to look at the world this way if if, if, I, if I as a parent of, of a bunch of kids. Um, you know, in my family, we decide, you know, I want to have this regular relationship with Disney where 100%. I want to always be able to stream the content, you know, t- t- today it's, my girls are clamoring for The Little Mermaid, but mm-hmm. next week it'll be the, the latest, you know, version of The Avengers that's coming out or whatever. And, you know, next, uh, next month uh, we want to go d- to Disney World or something like that. You know, I, I'm, I, I'm I, I want to have this ongoing relationship and if Disney's able to cater to that, and to delight me with all different kinds of options on a regular basis uh, the market is going to look at that as a very powerful kind of ongoing relationship uh, that that it, it it just gives disney a, a high a, a higher multiple for compared to the traditional uh relationship where every once in a while i go to walmart i buy my dvds and i come home and, I, and my kids watch them for a while but and maybe i go to disney world this year but i might not go back for you know it becomes a much more predictable uh, relationship in an in a ongoing subscription service world, and the market is willing to assign more value to that, to the company.
0: Uh, before I let you go, can we hit a couple of the other players? Um, curious for your thoughts on Apple TV+, Plus, or or maybe they just haven't told us enough yet to even be able to hazard a guess about where they're at with that.
1: I've been frustrated with Apple. I, I, I'm I'm not a shareholder currently. I mean, I was for a long time. Uh, I think that their their whole video event was sort of a mess. I think they, you know, they thought that if they just threw some of their money around at some of these big stars like Oprah and Steven Spielberg and Reese Witherspoon, um, that it was just going to they were going to be able to put some content on there that would be compelling enough to kind of get people's attention, but. Yeah, um, and we'll still have to see. You know, it's it, it still might. They haven't released anything yet, but uh, I think what you know, the sense that I got from watching that presentation was just how far behind they are. People like Netflix and people like like Disney in terms of you know stockpiling content that they're going to be able to show in, in in such a way that you know if Disney Plus is get, is asking me to pay uh, whatever it was six bucks or no, seven bucks or something a month, like. And they're, I'm getting all Star Wars, all Pixar, et cetera, et cetera. Like, what? How, what, how can Apple expect to to charge me anything? anything. for right. for a, a couple of shows, basically. So um, now, you know, n- n- none of us probably six, seven years ago would have expected Netflix to be able to. Uh, Churn out the content the amount of quality content that they have over the last few years Everybody, you know who worked for a Hollywood studio would have said oh, no, it's a black art it's so magical these you know, Silicon Valley types are not going to know how to do this and Guess what? They figured it out so quickly. So, you know, maybe Apple still will. I, I just get the impression that Apple has this very go slow approach. We don't need you know, the house isn't on fire We're printing money we can take it slow. You know, we don't need to buy Netflix right now. We don't need to buy Disney. We'll just figure it out. We'll just sort of plot along. We did, we did that in Apple Music, and even though people made fun of us and, and said we're not as good as Spotify, look look at us now. Uh, we're basically whatever, just as good, uh, if not you know, if not a little ahead. So I think they just that's their modus operandi. I don't think it's the right choice. I think they would have been a lot smarter. Um, they should have bought have Netflix, had, right? <laughs> yeah, they should have right. bought Netflix. They should have bought Disney. Yeah, um, uh, a couple of years ago, when they and you know before they embarked on their whole cash, you know, dividend debt buyback thing. I mean, I, I I don't think they've gotten much out of that. I think they would have been much better served from doing a mega acquisition like like one of those companies.
0: Super quick, um, so the whatever the warner media streaming it, like that's coming from AT&T, right and so it's going to be like like tnt tbs uh cuz i saw like uh conan talking about that this week and so and hbo in theory like do we think i guess what i'm most curious about is is hbo just going to be subsumed into whatever that becomes or do you think hbo will will always still be its own separate service offering product offering
1: Right now, I'm very skeptical about the future for whatever they're going to call it, Warner Media Plus or HBO Max or something. I forget what it is. Now, I, I just, I mean, right, it, they don't seem to be off to a great start with, um, you know, licensing, continuing to license friends to Netflix for, for money rather than make it exclusive on this new service. Um, you know, b- basically, uh, all these people leaving Turner and HBO. I mean, you know, every all of us, uh, you know, is replaceable, but they're they're losing some pretty quality people, and so you have to wonder: are they going to be able to find the next Game of Thrones or, you know, Westworld or what have you? So, um, I, there's just a lot of question marks there, and um, you know, it, it's uh, we'll, we'll have to see. I mean, uh, the phone company running things. I mean. You only have to look as far as Verizon and their whole Yahoo stuff, and right. uh, kind of to, to, to get a little nervous about whether they're going to be able to pull that off.
0: Well, okay, okay th- that leads perfectly into my final question. Then, to what degree is everybody jumping into the streaming wars? They have to know, as everyone's already r- screaming about and tearing their hair out about, like we're not going to all subscribe to ten different services, right? And 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 mm-hmm. to some degree, they're not stupid; they know that. So how much of it is people think they, that their streaming offering can win, and how much of it is it's a strategic thing? You feel like you have to have a distribution platform, otherwise people are afraid they would like lose control of their own destiny or something.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I think you've, you've nailed it there. I think they feel like they've got to have something. Um, because otherwise yet, you
0: just become a company that produces the shows that then you have to then sell to whoever ends up being the, the winning platforms.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's right.
0: Or you exit I mean, the business entirely.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, and uh, I guess people like Viacom are going to be like, try to be this arms dealer uh, to sell to whoever, and, and there there probably will be others. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it's it's going to be super expensive for those folks uh, who want to get into streaming. and And the... Biggest thing is like the customer acquisition costs. I mean, that's that's a big advantage Disney has, like everyone knows their content. So you, you don't really have to see a lot of bus shelter ads uh, about Disney Plus to kind of get it and understand what it is and, and kind of make a judgment in your mind whether you're gonna subscribe to it. But like a Warner Media Plus offering or whatever they call it, H- HBO Max, I mean, that's probably gonna cost more money to kind of educate people on why they need that service to be part of their bundle, You, uh,
0: you, you joked that they should just call it Friends Plus or something
1: like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, everyone seems to be calling their Service Plus, so they might as well go with the Kind of the you know the NBC Universal should call their service Office Plus, uh, Warner should call it Friends Plus because <laughs> you know at the end of the day the, the reason why we subscribe to any of these services is probably one hit show, uh, whether it's uh, Handmaid's Tale or Game of Thrones. So um, those are the be- best assets that NBC Universal and and Warner have. Um, whether it's going to be enough to, you know, to, to get, you know, make your top five streaming services is up for debate. And so I, that's another reason why I do like the Disney approach because they're trying to say, well, you're going to have to have Disney plus. And if you're getting that anyway, why don't you get our mini bundle of the Hulu and the ESPN plus, um, as well and you know they're betting that a meaningful number of their of their disney plus subscribers will say yeah why not um just as has happened in the cable cable world